And now the reading for this evening on which Ian will speak to us in just a minute. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, continuing our series in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through to 22. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by, Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him too, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When I was looking at this passage um, over the week, I felt it was a, a little bit like a child going into M&M world in Leicester Square. Or if you're not familiar with that, maybe the old pick-and-mix counter at Woolworths before I disappeared from our high streets. You are faced with many different sweets as you go in. Different colours, different sizes, different boxes, a variety of different things. What do you go for? Which one do you pick? To me, Ephesians 2, verses 11, 22, is a little bit like that. There is so much choice, it's almost baffling to know where to start. So I've decided to look at five things today. And I'll focus them around these titles. One, being separate from God. Two, rescued through the blood of Christ and the cross. Three, the free gift of the Spirit. Four, one family together with no barriers and no walls. And finally, Jesus as our cornerstone. Now I know each of these could have a sermon dedicated to them by themselves, but I haven't got that time, and unfortunately, well, that would just take too long. But I wanted to share a few thoughts from my studies this week. Some of them are encouraging, others are a reminder of life without Christ. This passage, titled One in Christ, in the NIV version, is about being rescued 
reconciliation and peace. The passage teaches us about what God has done to bring about reconciliation and peace between God and human beings and also between human beings and other human beings. Psalm 33 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Reconciliation and peace, true unity, is a blessing in itself and the means by which God blesses us. This has impact in our marriages, our families, our church and between nations. Billy Graham once said, the number one problem in our world is division. Rich versus poor. Black versus white. Labour versus management. Conservative versus liberal. East versus West. But Christ came to bring reconciliation and peace. We only had to open our newspapers or turn on the television news and we might well wonder if there ever will be peace among people today. Churches are not immune from argument and division. Individuals hold grudges against others. Invisible walls can exist between people. I came across this unnamed testimony recently. In a church I used to attend, two friends of mine had a broken relationship. One did some work for the other and it wasn't acceptable when it was finished. They haven't spoken since. And they attend the same church. I don't know who is right and who is wrong or even who is at fault. The Bible doesn't mention who is right or wrong, only that reconciliation is necessary. When there is an argument, often we settle for a truce rather than real peace. The American General MacArthur said, a truce just says you don't shoot for a while. But a truce isn't the same as peace and reconciliation. When the issue surfaces again, it's all too easy to start shooting again. Unresolved conflict brings alienation. Alienation brings loneliness. And we then live in prisoners of our own making. So on to my first point, being separate from God. Can you imagine a place that is like this? A place that there is not one single gleam or ray of hope. No future. No security. To be without God is to be without hope. One of the greatest torments of hell will be that there is no hope. You'd be assigned to a place without any possibility of finding relief. Verse 12 in our passage highlights that there was a dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. 
This wall that separated them has now been removed by the blood of Christ. This barrier that was taken down for us when we accepted Christ as our Saviour. Which leads me on to thinking then, what are those barriers within our church? What are the barriers that are holding us back from that perfect relationship with God? What are my barriers? What are yours? What are ours? The barriers between humans that slow down or even stop God's work. I want to challenge you now for a couple of minutes. I want you to think about the barriers that you have, that we have as a church. And as you do that, Anita is just going to play a little piece of music for us. need to know, you haven't got to come and tell me or tell anybody else about those barriers that we identified then. But despite those barriers, there is a solution. This solution is not to find a truceless situation, but to find a complete and utter peace in it. And that peace is found in the cross. Which leads me on to my second point, rescued through the cross. God has torn down that barrier. God will tear down that barrier. But we still have to cross the void. Just because we were born into a Christian family doesn't mean we have a direct path to him. As Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, no longer can a Jew claim to have access to to God just because of his lineage. The cross is the bridge over the void. I often describe it this way 
to my children at school, and I've done it to Sunday club and I think to Sports Week in the past. If you've heard it before, I apologise, but I think it fits in rather well. Imagine if you can, two boulders, one either side, one with God and one with us. There is a void, a chasm that separates the two. But then down comes the cross, straight into the middle. And the arms of the cross sit on either side with two boulders. We can then walk across that cross to God. Hold that in your head as we hear the rest of these words. There are no VIP passes getting people backstage or fast track tickets getting people to the front of the line. We are all equal. All of us have that direct access to the main man himself through Jesus. And all we have to do is walk to him and receive the greatest gift of all. And that gift is free. Point three, the free gift. As a child, we're always told that just because you ask for something for Christmas or on your birthday, it doesn't mean you'll receive it. But here, in verse 18, and let me read this to you. For through him we have both had access to the Father by one Spirit. The greatest gift that can be received is free. Bar none, it's free. Jesus opens the gates and invites you to the greatest party with the best goodie bag that you will ever receive. Ask and you shall receive. So why is this gift so precious after all? Well, first of all, it's a gift that has been promised to us. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised you. The anticipation of that perfect gift. A gift that changes lives. A gift that changed my life. A gift that changed Paul's life in a heartbeat. And obviously thus, the development of the early church. A gift that gives us confidence and trust in him in all situations. A gift that enables us to go and proclaim the gospel to all kingdoms as we are instructed to do in the book of Acts. But also a gift that gives us peace. A peace that stops difficult situations. Not just puts them on hold. For through Jesus, we all have access to one Spirit. On the eve of his death, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. After his resurrection, Jesus came back to his disciples through the locked doors and said, Peace be with you. This isn't a peace you earn. It's a peace we receive from God who is the God of peace. So how can we find that peace with others? By building a bridge with the cross. 
one together and no walls. Point four. We are the family of God, a people who have been hostile to each other. But we have been made into one family of peace through the Spirit and through that peace. There should be no walls between us. However, being a Christian doesn't mean we are without sin. There are times when we need to put things right. We need to repent for our wrong and forgive from the heart. And as hard as it may be, even try to move on. In this way, we maintain the peace of God in our lives and remain in union with him and also in union with others. Jesus opens the gate and invites us to enter his Father's kingdom, which is greater than any kingdom that has ever been built. Throughout history, there have been great and mighty empires. But as with anything that man does, they come and they go. On the other hand, so they come and go. Jesus, on the other hand, is building a kingdom which will endure forever. He is bringing people from all different places and putting them in his Father's kingdom with him as the cornerstone. When workers start a building, they first place one stone, the cornerstone. And then they line up all the walls based on this stone to make sure that everything is exactly correct and straight. Paul uses the Holy Spirit as a builder. The Holy Spirit takes his tools and mortar and lays one block at a time. Now every person who is converted becomes another brick in the temple of God. This is the true temple. This is the temple that will never be torn down. Why? Because Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And I spoke a few months ago uh, on a Sunday morning. And my closing bit there was Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Love is what holds us together in perfect unity. Love is the mortar. Love for each other and love for God. We were a people with no past, no present, no future, no God and no hope. Now, now, today, because of Jesus, we have a past. A past built on the foundations of the apostles. We have a present. We are fellow citizens, one body, united in the household of God. We have a future. One that is being built together in one place for God by the Spirit. We have a God. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I will be their God and they will be my people. 
And to top it all off, we have a hope. Romans 15, 13. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have torn down the barrier. You have rescued us. You have saved us. We thank you for the hope that you have given us. We pray that over the coming weeks and the coming months, we can solve those problems, those barriers that we have. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing gift that is free to everyone here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've built this temple and that you are at the cornerstone. We pray that we can continue to build your glorious temple by the works that this church does from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.